Hello and welcome to this episode of By His Word. I am your host and teacher, Candy Carmichael. We have begun a series on eternity, past, present, future, and everything in between. In the last segment, we discussed eternity past, the original creation of the earth, and what it was like before time began. With the recreation of the earth after the fall of Lucifer, God created something called time. Since God himself has always been and always will be, it is hard for us to imagine something having no beginning and no end. God has said that to him, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day, because he does not live in time. When God recreated the earth and placed man upon it, he created the concept of time. The earth was set on an invisible timer whose stop time is known only to God. When that celestial buzzer rings, time will end and we will go into eternity future. Our lives, which are governed by time, will no longer have that restriction. When Adam and Eve began their lives in the Garden of Eden, they had no idea that God had set time in motion. His original intent for them was to live in perfection and total harmony with him forever. Unfortunately, their disobedience destroyed that, and their earthly bodies became terminal. God, of course, foresaw all of this and gave them the promise of a future Redeemer who would eventually bring everything back under God's control and restore His original intent for mankind. To God, it would be a very short time, but for man, it would be thousands of years. As people began to multiply on the face of the earth, so did sin and rebellion against God. The fallen angel, Lucifer, waged an all-out assault on God's highest creation, man, who had taken his place as designated ruler of the earth. Conditions became so bad and the bloodline of man became so corrupted by other fallen angels who cohabited with human women that God eventually had to destroy all but eight of his created beings on the earth. They were preserved in an ark that protected them from a global flood that removed the corrupted seed of man from the earth. God began again with Noah and his family, and the earth became populated once again. But as the population grew, sin once again grew to epic epic proportions. Yet there were those who remained faithful to God. One man, Abraham, was chosen to become the father of a nation that would be known as Israel. His son, Isaac, had a son, Jacob, who eventually married and produced 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. One tribe, that of his son, Judah, eventually produced the promised Redeemer, Jesus. Now, most Bible scholars believe that the six days of the recreation of earth each corresponds with a thousand years of human history. Thus, after approximately 4,000 years of time, Jesus the Messiah was born to redeem all of mankind from sin. His death on Calvary purchased salvation for all those who would be born afterwards and also covered the past sins of those who lived before him. With the resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the church age began. A few years later, the Jewish temple was destroyed by the Romans and Jews were scattered throughout the world. Many centuries passed as the population of the earth grew, the church began to be fragmented into multiple denominations, and empires rose and fell. Around the turn of the century in 1906, the Holy Spirit began to be poured out anew as a fresh wave of revival broke out in the U.S. A few years later, World War I broke out and interest in Bible prophecy increased. Churches were sending missionaries and people were more aware of spiritual things. Then the Great Depression hit after a massive stock market crash and most countries across the world were deeply affected. 
Toward the end of this dismal era, a dictator arose in Germany by the name of Adolf Hitler. This man had a rabid hatred of Jews and managed to stir up much of Europe by convincing them that the Jews were behind much of the economic misery in the world. He devised a plan known as the Final Solution to eradicate Jews throughout the world. Eventually, World War II broke out, and for four long years, the world was embroiled in a bitter war. Up to 85 million people perished in that war, including 6 million Jews during what was known as the Holocaust. The atrocities suffered by the Jewish people caused a temporary global sympathy for them once the war was over. Plans began to be made to create a homeland for the Jewish people. In 1948, the nation of Israel was officially declared. It literally was a nation born in a day when the British mandate over Palestine expired and Israel declared itself a nation. At this point, the time, the timer of God's prophetic clock began ticking loudly. Nearly 2,000 years earlier, Jesus had warned his disciples of the time coming when time would eventually come to an end and his eternal kingdom begin. Many things would need to occur in the meantime, but these future events would be mile markers along the way so that they could prepare for the future times ahead. The Jewish temple was the grand centerpiece of Jewish culture, but Jesus warned of its coming destruction which occurred in 70 AD. He also warned of other future events that would precede the end of the age. The disciples asked him three questions regarding this future time. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming, and what will be the sign of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, Matthew 24, 4-8. As the disciples listened to Jesus, they must have been astonished at his predictions. All of these things would occur far into the future. But since God does not exist in time, he can be in the past, the present, and the future. He could predict with 100% accuracy. Jesus went on to say this, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be effect offended, and they will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow, grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Matthew 24, 9-14 Though nearly all of the disciples themselves would experience persecution and martyrdom, Jesus was speaking of a time when the Jewish people as a nation would experience great persecution and hatred from other nations of the world. It is important to remember that Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience. The disciples at that time did not know that the Gentiles would eventually become part of a vast kingdom of God on earth known as the church. Many people, including some Bible scholars, try to divide up the passages in Matthew 24 into pre-rapture and pre-tribulation signs. These verses do not apply to the church. The end of the age occurs at the end of the tribulation period. One of the biggest points of contention on this is the spread of the gospel around the world. 
Those who try to say that these scriptures apply in part to the church say that Jesus cannot return for the church in the rapture until everyone in the world has heard the gospel. Therefore, the rapture must be a long way off. But since Jesus was referring to the Jews as a nation, the answer to the question of the gospel spread lies in the book of Revelation, which says that the 144,000 witnesses will be the main ones to preach the gospel during the first half of the tribulation. This is according to Revelation 7. During the last half of the tribulation, God's mercy gives the inhabitants of the earth a final chance to believe the gospel. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him. Revelation 14, 6 and 7a. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus returns with the church to set up His millennial kingdom on the earth. More on that a little later. After warning of the general conditions that will precede the tribulation and continue into the time that the tribulation occurs, Jesus told of what would happen during the second half of those seven years. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to take his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Matthew 24, 15 to 22. Now Jesus is speaking here of the time when the when the Jews get the shocking realization that the one who promised to protect them from their enemies has betrayed them and become their greatest enemy. The one that they had hoped would be the Messiah was really the Antichrist and just building his base power of power prior to establishing himself in the Jewish temple and claiming to be God. Jesus is warning that when this occurs, they were to drop everything and flee for their lives. Most Bible scholars believe that the place of refuge will be in the city of Petra, a city in Judea with multiple places carved into the rose-colored rocky hills. Revelation chapter 12 describes how Israel will flee into the wilderness to a place where God will protect them for the last half of the tribulation. It will be a dif difficult for pregnant women or for those who are nursing babies to travel to Petra, a distance of 101 miles. This would take five to six days on foot, an um, exhausting and dangerous journey for a strong adult, let alone a child, the elderly, or pregnant women. No one knows if there would be supporters of the Antichrist who would try to kill those attempting to flee or if the Lord would prevent their wholesale slaughter along the way. The Lord also told them that the people were to pray that their flight would not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For observant Jews, the maximum distance that they are permitted to travel on the Sabbath is approximately one mile. Some would not break this law even if it meant their lives. Winters in Israel can be harsh in some areas. January is the wettest month and there are times when the temperature drops to below freezing or even to zero degrees. Again, this would make travel difficult for everyone. Now, if the rapture of the church 
were to occur in the fall than three and a half years later when the Great Tribulation began and the Jews needed to flee, it would be in the spring and much warmer. This is why some believe that the rapture will occur in the fall so that the Jews would have an easier time getting to safety in the springtime. Jesus warned that this persecution of the Jews and the reign of the Antichrist during the final three and a half years would be the worst in human history for death, persecution, and devastation of the earth. Then Jesus makes a statement that has caused much debate among prophecy experts. He stated that unless the days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Now some have tried to say that the days would literally be shortened either in length or by the sun being darkened for a longer period of time. But this would disrupt the order of the universe, planetary rotations, and could destroy life on the planet. A more logical theory has been put forth by prophecy scholars such as Perry Stone, who suggests that the days being shortened means that the number of days of the tribulation were, would be decreased. We are currently on a 365-day calendar for most countries around the world. Now, Jews follow a 12-month calendar of 30 days each, with an occasional extra month inserted to keep the Jewish feasts in their proper seasons. By having seven years of 360 days instead of 365 days, the total number of days is shortened by 35, thus perfectly fulfilling the prophecy. Since the tribulation's purpose is primarily to prove to the Jews that Jesus is their Messiah, God reverts to the Jewish calendar during these seven years. Jesus warned that during the tribulation there would be an extreme spirit of deception that would come on the world of unbelievers. Within the church, the church in heaven following the rapture, the devil will have free reign over the people of the earth. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians who were fearful that they had somehow missed the rapture and were about to experience the horrors of the tribulation. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-4 The Apostle Paul first reassured the Thessalonians that Jesus had not returned yet for the church. He also states that the event will not occur until a falling away happens first. That phrase is translated from the Greek word apostasia. It has a double meaning. It means apostasy, false doctrine that corrupts the truth of the gospel. But the word also means departure, which makes more sense concerning the context of the passage. This would make the verse to read that the tribulation would not come until the departure, meaning the rapture of the church, occurred first. Since the church is not appointed unto wrath, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.9, and it will be then taken out of here before the tribulation begins, this appears to be a better translation than just the apostasy that occurs. Now we're going to take a brief break and you can find out how to be witnesses in 177 countries around the world. We will be right back. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. 
First-time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax-deductible. Join us as we change the world. Welcome back. We have been talking about the meaning of the word apostasia and saying that it has a double meaning both of the departure and of apostasy. Now, if this is the case, then the Antichrist is not revealed in his role until after the church has been removed. Many people have tried to speculate who the Antichrist will be, but this is basically a waste of time. Instead, we need to be looking for Jesus Christ and to be ready for his return. One of the main re reasons why deception will be so strong during the, during the tribulation is revealed by Paul's writing. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness, 1 Thessalonians 2, 9-12. What a frightening time that will be. For those who are not part of the bride of Christ and taken to heaven in the rapture, it will be a time of unbridled danger on the earth, on top of the devastation of wars, famines, pestilences, persecutions of all who refuse to follow the Antichrist, will be the strong deception that will take over the minds of millions in order to destroy them. And that deception has started now. It's not going to be that everything is fine now and then one day after the rapture all of a sudden deception comes. It has started now. When Jesus continued his narrative to the disciples about what was to come during the tribulation, he gave examples of the deception that would come. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Matthew 24, 23-28. It must be noted in these passages that the elect that Jesus is referring to is not the church, because we are in heaven during this time. In this case, the elect refers to the Jewish remnant that will be saved during this time and finally recognize Jesus as their Messiah. Since the Jews were used to having prophets during their long history, the Antichrist will attempt to deceive by sending false prophets into the world to try to convince people that he is the Christ. Jesus goes on to say that this will eventually come to an end when he returns to the earth to set up his millennial kingdom. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the power of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great shout of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other, Matthew 24, 29-31. In this passage, we can see that everyone on earth will see the return of Christ at the end of the tribulation. The rapture, however, is a secret event where only the living and dead in Christ are instantaneously taken from the earth with no notice. 
There are no celestial manifestations at the rapture like there are with his second coming. More in the post-tribulation time a little later. The reason why it is important to know the history of Israel as well as her future is because Israel is God's time clock. The Bible describes Israel as God's time clock because history and current events all revolve around Israel. The Apostle Paul in Romans 11 called Israel the natural olive tree because of her designation as God's chosen people. When Israel rejected Jesus as the Messiah, the church became an olive branch that was grafted into the natural tree so that both would grow together. The church age is also the interlude between the 69th and 70th week of Daniel's prophecy to Israel, according to Daniel 9, 24-27. 69 weeks of prophecy were fulfilled with the death and resurrection of Jesus, but the time clock paused with Israel's rejection of Christ and the start of the church age. It will resume when the rapture occurs and the church age ends. Then the final... Uh, week of seven years of Daniel's prophecy will begin. Jesus described this time by describing the parable of the fig tree. Now learn a parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Matthew 24, 32-35 The book of Mark and the book of Luke also record the Olivet Discourse where Jesus discusses the future world conditions and Isaiah's and Israel's tribulation. But Luke includes an additional sentence that Jesus made. Then he spoke to them a parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. Luke 21, 29 the fig tree and the olive tree are both national symbols of Israel. The nations that surround Israel also have trees as national symbols. For example, the cedar tree is symbolic of Lebanon, and the oak tree is a symbol of Jordan. Israel and the surrounding nations all gained independence at around the same time in the 20th centuries. This was approximately in the 1940s and 50s. Thus, all of the trees began to bud at around the same time. When Israel became a nation and the surrounding nations budded or gained their independence, this started the countdown on another time clock, the one that would precede the start of the tribulation. When the disciples came to Jesus to show him the temple as recorded in Matthew 24, they asked him three questions after he stated that not one stone would be left on top of another from the Jewish temple. They first asked, when will these things be? To that, that question was answered when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. But they also asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Since the church was not yet in existence, the disciples had no knowledge of the future rapture of the church. These questions had to apply to the second coming of Jesus at the end of the tribulation. This was the end of the age to which they were referring. Jesus said that there would be one generation that would see all of these things fulfilled, and that generation would not pass from the earth until everything was fulfilled, including his coming. In this, it, so the second question remains, how long is a generation? Psalm 90 in verse 10 states that the days of our lives are 70 years, or by reason of strength, 
80 years. The average lifespan internationally is 75.6 years. Some nations are a little more and others a bit less, but that is the average. If Israel is God's time clock, then she already is 75 years old. The tribulation is seven years in length, which would need to be added to complete the end of the age to which Jesus is referring. That would make it 82 years as of now. All of the signs of wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, and the other signs that Jesus listed have been occurring with increased frequency and intensity, and all are occurring at the same time. This is called conversions. Surely the return of the, of the Lord is very near. I'm sorry, the word is convergence. Jesus told the disciples to watch for the signs of his coming. We are also to pray that we would be accounted worthy to escape all that is coming upon the earth, Luke 21, 36. Yes, Jesus used the word escape. To those who accuse the ones who are looking forward to the rapture as a way to escape what is coming, yes, you're right. We do want to escape because the tribulation will be, as Jesus said, a time of trouble that has never been or ever will be on the earth. We need to pray that Jesus counts us as worthy to be taken out before that time and as part of his bride. We can know that the general season of because of the warning signs that Jesus gave us. Besides the list of conditions, Jesus said that when he returned, it would be as the days of Lot and as the days of Noah. And as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in a day when the Son of Man is revealed, Luke 17, 26-30. We certainly are living in the days of Noah and Lot. What characterized Noah's day was rampant violence and men's thought being continually evil. There was also corruption of the bloodline by fallen angels who cohabited with human women. Today we have experiments with cloning, with other species, and even with electronics and AI implanted into the human body. In the days of Lot, there was widespread sexual perversion that could escalate into severe violence. There was also greed, pride, and a host of other sins in a region that was ultimately destroyed by God for its flagrant sin. All of these are general signs of which we are to watch and prepare for His coming. But the exact timing of when Jesus will return is known only to God. But of that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Matthew 24, 36-44. This shows the danger of trying to put a day or a time of when he comes. This has happened many times during the... Um, looking forward to when Jesus might come and people have set a date and they come and go and so their credibility is lost because of that. Jesus knew that if people were aware of the exact time of his coming that they would live wildly sinful lives until the day before and then pray to be forgiven of everything just before he returned. But Jesus wants us to live as though he could return at any time which he might. Now, scoffers will say that throughout the years, especially in the last century, that preachers have spoken often about the return of Jesus. 
But as the years came and went, people became numb to the warnings, and today most people do not believe that Jesus could return in their lifetimes. This is part of what is known as the Laodicean age, when there is a lukewarmness, and Jesus said, I will spew you out of my mouth because you are neither hot nor cold. Now, there are three currents that are all happening at the same time. First, there is the general condition of the world, which is growing worse and worse. I think we can see that by everything that is happening. But there is a doctrine that is called Kingdom Now, and that has been prevalent in recent decades, that the church is eventually going to control all aspects of societies. Now, this would include education, politics, government, the arts, medical, so forth. But if this is true, then the church is doing a very poor job. But this is why many of them say that it's going to be hundreds, maybe even thousands of years before Jesus comes back. But there are two currents within the church that are running simultaneously. There is the false church, which embraces all of the philosophies and practices of the world system. This segment of the church is not aligned with Christ and will not be prepared for his coming. But at the same time, there is a true church which is watching and waiting for His coming. They are into the Word of God, they are walking with the Spirit, they are faithful to the Lord and to their faithful Christians, and they are allowing the Lord to use them to minister to others. This is the true church. The ticking of the Lord's time clock is getting louder. As we see Israel surrounded by enemies who want to destroy the nation permanently, we know that His coming is very near. All of the signs have occurred in one generation, and this is the one generation that has seen Israel restored as a nation in her own land, and Jerusalem reunited as its eternal capital. This generation is rapidly drawing to a close at 75 years old. It won't be long until the trumpet sounds, the church goes up, and the final years of time on the earth are over. We will continue next week with this series. Until then, have a good week and keep listening for the trumpet. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.